bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, March 17th, 2020. I'm recording this week's podcast from my home on my iPhone. I, along with the rest of Novogratik, are very focused on social distancing. In the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, this is just one of the many steps that Novogratik has taken in order to better protect our employees, partners, and their families, and to continue to serve our clients with the least amount of disruption possible. Those steps are detailed in a statement on our website. We do hope that neither you nor your loved ones have been affected by the novel coronavirus, and we encourage you to practice social distancing as best you can. Now, President Trump declared the COVID-19 outbreak a national emergency last Friday, and states, counties, and local governments are continuing to respond to the crisis in a variety of ways. Novogratik is very focused on assessing how the coronavirus is affecting our clients and the communities we serve, as well as being an information resource. From affordable housing to historic preservation, from renewable energy to community development, dramatic changes have been felt, and there are more to come. To that end, Novogratik has started a webpage that contains legislation, guidance, and other information on how federal and state agencies are responding to the COVID-19 pandemic. We are focused on the effects and consequences to the affordable housing, community development, historic preservation, and renewable energy communities. Now, there are sections on this webpage that are dedicated to the Low-Income Housing Tax Credit, the Department of Housing and Urban Development, the New Markets Tax Credit, the Historic Tax Credit, Opportunity Zones, the Renewable Energy Tax Credit or Tax Credits, and the Community Reinvestment Act. You can find the webpage at www.novaco.com slash coronavirus. Now, we intend for this site to be a crowdsourced site. So please email cpas at novaco.com with suggestions for resources that we should add. Once again, that's send an email to cpas at novaco.com. In addition to providing industry-specific guidance on our website, We'll also share information through our publications, through our email lists, and of course, through this Tax Credit Tuesday podcast. I do want to also, though, encourage you to contact a Novogratik partner near you with any questions or concerns that are specific to your business. We are here to help. You can go to today's show notes for a link to our Novogratik Partners page. There you'll find locations, contact information, and areas of expertise for each of our more than 60 partners across the country. Now, today's podcast is going to cover federal coronavirus relief legislation and how housing and community development could play a role in those initiatives. I'll also talk about what coronavirus resources and relief may be available for various tax credit communities. Then I'll close out with some brief non-coronavirus updates. If you're ready, let's get started. Now first, let's talk about federal legislation. Housing and community development incentives could play a role in coronavirus relief efforts. That is, if certain proposals are included in emergency relief legislation. Now, before I delve into those specific proposals, I want to recap what we know so far about coronavirus relief legislation. Now, an initial supplemental appropriations bill was enacted on March 6th. That bill provides $8.3 billion in emergency funding for various agencies, including the Department of Health and Human Services. Congress is now working on a second bill that focuses on protection and relief for families. This second bill and a third future piece of coronavirus legislation are potential vehicles for housing and community development initiatives. Now, the House late on Friday passed a coronavirus relief package. The House package would provide free coronavirus testing, including free tests 
for those who are uninsured. It would increase the federal match for Medicaid by 6.2 percentage points, thus giving states tens of billions of dollars in increased health care funding. The bill would also provide up to 10 days of emergency paid sick days and up to 12 weeks of coronavirus-related sick leave at two-thirds pay for businesses of less than 500 employees, as well as $2 billion for expanded unemployment insurance. The bill does provide some refundable tax credits for qualifying small businesses to offset some of these costs. Now, the package would also authorize $1 billion for food assistance programs, including additional funding for food banks and the Supplemental Nutritional Assistance Program, commonly known as food stamps. Now, the massive emergency bill was originally introduced last Wednesday, but after negotiations between House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, House leaders made adjustments to give the bill a better chance of winning Republican support. Thus, the version that the House passed reflects a bipartisan effort. I should note that the House bill did need technical corrections to the bill passed on Friday. The House did, through unanimous consent, pass those technical corrections yesterday, Monday. The Senate, by the way, has not passed the bill, as it had already recessed for the weekend by the time the House had passed its bill. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell canceled this week's scheduled state work period so the Senate could work on the emergency package this week. So that's a long way of saying the Senate is in session. Now, Speaker Pelosi did say that the third legislative package would be released soon. Now, many expect the third package will include broader initiatives to help boost the U.S. economy. And with respect to the second package, there's a lot of talk about the Senate making adjustments to it. So we'll need to wait and see what adjustments the Senate may make. And then if they do make such adjustments, the House would then need to vote on it again. So how do affordable housing and community development initiatives fit into these efforts? Well, first, housing is a key issue. The Center for Disease Control recommends that those who are sick stay home. Now, this recommendation is impossible for people who are homeless. This is also a concern for people who are vulnerable to losing their homes because of job insecurity and economic hardships related to the pandemic. In response, Senate Democrats have issued several proposals that directly relate to housing. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer and Senate Banking Committee Ranking Member Sherrod Brown head the group. The Senate Democrats proposed supplemental funding for federal housing. This would mean additional funds for housing authorities, housing assistance providers, and organizations serving the homeless. Senate Democrats sent a letter to Vice President Mike Pence, to HUD Secretary Ben Carson, and USDA Secretary Sonny Perdue. The letter asked that the recipients coordinate guidance for federally assisted housing properties. Specifically, the letter called for guidance to help housing providers prevent and mitigate the spread of the virus. By the way, after the letter was sent, HUD did release a question and answers document for multifamily housing stakeholders. The document discussed emergency preparedness, resident health, and other issues related to the coronavirus. The Senate Democrats also proposed emergency rental assistance and eviction prevention for people struggling to pay rent and utility bills. This is meant to prevent more people from becoming homeless and increasing the risk of exposure during the pandemic. Now that the House passed emergency bills in the Senate, you might see Senate Democratic leaders try to advance some of these proposals in the final bill. Now, there's also an economic impact side of the pandemic, to be sure. Congress is concerned with how the coronavirus is affecting people's jobs, local communities, and small businesses. To help ameliorate that, one idea that has been floated to help bolster local communities and local economies is to, is to provide an increase in the new market's tax allocation. Now, supporters of the new market tax credit are urging lawmakers to consider a $1.5 billion allocation increase 
the pending 2019 New Markets Tax Credit round. The current round is authorized at $3.5 billion. A $1.5 billion boost would make $5 billion in tax credit allocation authority available to incentivize community investments in the coming months. Now, as far as we know, the CDFI fund does still plan to announce 2019 awards this summer. I should also note $5 billion is the same amount currently authorized for the 2020 round. Increasing the new markets tax credit allocation authority in an emergency would be nothing new. In fact, Congress has a history of authorizing new markets tax credit allocation boosts in response to economic and natural disasters. You can think of the Gulf Opportunity Zone Act of 2005. That was in response to Hurricanes Katrina, Rita, and Wilma. You can also think of the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act in 2009 in response to the Great Recession. Both of those bills included special allocations of new markets tax credit allocation authority to allocation rounds already in progress. Fast forward to the current pandemic. A new markets tax credit expansion could be included in a third coronavirus response bill, a bill focusing on boosting the economy. I'll keep an eye on these proposals and we'll report any updates in future podcast episodes. Next, I want to talk about current guidance, resources, and relief measures that are available for the tax credit community related to COVID-19. As I mentioned in the opening of this podcast, Novogratik has a new webpage with all this information. And I'll share the link to that page in today's show notes and tweet it out as well. Now, here's a quick summary. Bear in mind, this is changing rapidly, and some of the positions state agencies have taken will be changing over time. But first, the low-income housing tax credit. California, Texas, and Florida, and several other state housing agencies are suspending physical compliance inspections of occupied units. You can read more about that on the Novogratik COVID-19 page. That said, these responses are varied by state. For example, the Mississippi Home Corporation announced on March 16th that its program deadlines and such remain in place. That includes the March 27 application deadline for the 2020 low-income housing tax credit cycle. Now, if developers encounter delays directly related to the current COVID-19 outbreak, the Mississippi agency did say it'll take them up on a case-by-case basis. Now, turning to HUD, the Department of Housing and Development has announced that real estate assessment center inspections and funding will be postponed indefinitely. This REACT postponement will affect all multifamily housing and public and Indian housing properties. HUD said that staff is working diligently to ensure all housing assistance payments, operations funding, and other various funding streams do continue to be obligated. That's even in the event of a prolonged telework situation. HUD has also launched a COVID-19 information page. The page includes guidance and Q&A documents for various stakeholder groups, including multifamily housing providers. Now, I do want to say, if you have any suggestions for other resources we should include on the Novogratik COVID-19 page, please email us at cpas at novaco.com. Now, continuing with coronavirus-related announcements, the April 15th deadline to file 2019 tax returns will be extended for certain taxpayers in response to disruptions caused by the coronavirus. President Trump made the announcement Wednesday night during his Oval Office address to the nation. Trump directed Treasury to extend the filing deadline for individuals and businesses negatively affected by the coronavirus. Trump said there would be no interest or penalties on the deferred tax payments. At the time of this recording, it's unclear exactly which taxpayers qualify for the deferral and how long the filing extension will be. Before Trump's announcement, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin told reporters that the extension would apply to, and I quote, virtually all Americans other than the super rich, end quote. The administration not yet clarified any income or asset thresholds that would qualify taxpayers for the extension. With a change to the federal filing deadline, I expect many states that levy income taxes to follow suit. 
For example, mm -hmm. California extended until June 15th its deadline for partnerships, mm -hmm. LLCs, and individuals to file returns and make payments. Now, state extensions would make sense considering most taxpayers file their federal and state income tax returns about the same time. Obviously, this filing deadline extension is a developing story. I'll keep you posted on Twitter and in future podcast episodes as more information becomes available. In the meantime, I encourage you to reach out to an immigrant professional with questions about your business tax returns. Now, I do want to move to some non-pandemic updates. In affordable housing news, the FHFA announced last week that it is strengthening its duty-to-serve evaluation criteria and compliance requirements for both Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. These changes will increase the targeting of duty-to-serve related mortgage purchases and could affect local housing tax rate equity investment by Fannie and Freddie. But until Fannie and Freddie release their revised plans, it'll be too early to tell exactly how these announced evaluation changes will affect the GSE's investments. Fannie and Freddie are each allowed to invest up to $500 million a year in low-income housing tax credit equity currently. About $200 million of that investment is influenced by their duty to serve underserved markets. And those are namely manufactured housing, affordable housing preservation, as well as rural housing. And in other affordable housing news, legislation to enhance and expand the low-income housing tax credit now has a majority of House members as co-sponsors. Yes, the Affordable Housing Credit Improvement Act where H.R. 3077 earned five new co-sponsors in the House last week, meaning more than a majority of House members are co-sponsors. In fact, the bill has 221 co-sponsors at the time of this recording. Proponents of the bill hope that the co-sponsor milestone of more than half will help create momentum for its inclusion in a tax legislative vehicle in the House this year. And in other legislative news, a bipartisan group of House lawmakers introduced legislation that they say will complement the federal historic tax credit. The bill is H.R. 6175, and it's named the Revitalizing Economies, Housing, and Businesses Act, or Rehab Act, of 2020. The Rehab Act would create a 15% tax credit for non-historic buildings, but those non-historic buildings must be more than 50 years old, within half a mile of a public transportation center, and not be located in a historic district or on the National Register of Historic Places. Affordable properties that fit all the other requirements would be eligible for a 25% credit. Now, there would also be a higher 25% credit on costs that are associated with properties that meet all these other requirements and are also affordable housing related or their costs associated with public infrastructure that are required by state or local governments as a condition of project completion. Well, that brings you to the end of this week's report. Do follow me on Twitter while I'll continue to share any relevant updates. My Twitter handle is at Novogratik. That's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived podcasts are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. You can find related links referenced in this podcast in our show notes at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast. Novogratik & Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.